Welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Wonderman Thompson Technology. I'm Gemma Milne, and once a month we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. Technology is changing at lightning pace, and for digital marketers, the change is so rapid that it's hard to keep up. With change comes new business requirements and opportunities, but also challenges. Marketers need to create more content to assuage the exponential consumer thirst for customised experiences on all channels, but continued economic turbulence means that budgets and team sizes remain the same, or at worst, are shrinking. There's no magic equation for producing more for less, but the experience makers can offer practical advice. In this month's episode, I'm joined by Acquia's Vice President for Corporate Marketing, Tom Bianchi, to explore how organisations can keep their digital experiences in order and continue to grow their customer base, even when the world is a little chaotic. Tom, thank you so much for coming and joining us uh, for the episode today. I wonder if you could begin by just giving us a brief introduction to yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, Gemma. My name's Tom Bianchi. I'm the VP of Corporate Marketing at Acquia. Uh, for anyone who's not heard of Acquia before, we're the digital experience platform company. So what do we help companies and people do? Well, build their digital experiences. Uh, and a digital experience could be anything from your website to a mobile application to how you engage even through email and social channels. Um, but uh, every journey along the way, Acquia's got something to help you out. Amazing. Amazing to have you here with us to talk about today's topic, which is how to recession-proof your digital experience. Now, I guess the the idea for this episode comes from a bit of a tension, I suppose, that we're living through at the moment, where on one hand, we've got consumers hungry for great digital experience, expecting great digital experience, um, especially when you're kind of comparing against all the different places that they engage online. But on the other hand, we have a, shall we say, slightly chaotic world at the moment and absolutely thinking about economic downturns in various different parts of the world in various different ways. And so when it comes to thinking about marketing and investing in digital experience, there's a bit of a tension here in terms of making things work. So we're going to talk about that. But before we jump into the impact of economic downturn, let's focus for a minute on latest trends in terms of digital experience. Tell us a little bit about what consumers are wanting and what are the pressing challenges for business when it comes to digital experience? Yeah, great place to start, I think. Fundamentally, the role of the consumer at the moment in any digital experience that you know, your company is trying to build is is changing. And it always has been changing. And of course, the thing that uh, that's happening is recessions in particular accelerate change um, because buying behavior changes. And so with that, the customer, as they engage with your digital experience, is uh, looking for something more intuitive than ever. They're looking for something that makes sense to them. They're looking for something that's frictionless. They want the content that goes into your digital experience to be more meaningful, easier to digest, um, and uh, more interactive. And so all of those pressures from the consumer then start to manifest themselves in digital experience teams and the way that they're you know, creating the digital experiences for their brand, for their consumers to then um, you know, uh, engage with, to interact with, and to sometimes even buy through, right? There is a number of, of companies that have a commerce play to their, to their digital experience. 
Amazing. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. I mean, we're talked, you talked a little bit about demand there around consumer expectations and consumer wants. So while demand for these increasingly sophisticated digital experiences continues to grow, um, organizations are having to operate with the same, if not fewer, resources. So we've got this, uh, I guess, asymmetry with demand and, and the ability to meet demand. Gartner suggested there's already been an 11 to 6.4% decrease in marketing departments' overall budgets. So talk to us a little bit about the impact that this is going to have. Yeah, so companies everywhere are going to feel the squeeze, right? And so um, budgets is one driver. The indirect impact of budget reduction as well is usually people reduction. Um, certainly, uh, you know, in the technology space recently, we've seen, uh, you know, at a global level, some of the biggest technology platforms make mass layoffs. Uh, Facebook very recently laid off 11,000 people, just as an example. Um, and that's not just going to be reserved for the technology industry. We're going to see this in lots of different industries and anybody who feels that squeeze. So as well as budgets, as in what we have to spend on digital experience decreasing, the number of people that we have in a team is going to, you know, to decrease as well. So if you think about that in combination with some of those trends that I just talked about from the consumer angle, that's where it really starts to get interesting. So we've got these consumer pressures where uh, the customers ultimately expect so much more from your digital experience. Um, uh, and in turn, that creates more work by itself, but you've got less people to do it. So you start to get into a very, uh, a very big problem very quickly with just some minor changes, relatively speaking, to the overall structure of your organization. I see this as effectively a gap forming. And it's probably going to felt, be felt most acutely on the side of the content creation that your company needs to do that then feeds into your digital experience. So you're going to have less people, less budget, more content requirements, and more content requirements in two dimensions as well, which is where the problem really starts to kind of amplify. Firstly, not only do you need to have this kind of more intuitive content that the, the customer is demanding, you've also got to publish that in multiple different places. So uh, if you go back 10 years, we talked about this phrase of omni-channel, referring to the retail industry's requirement to, uh, to be able to, for example, uh, somebody have, buy something online and then return it in store, um, and the ability to transact in a business-like way, be that virtually or, or in a retail outlet, a bricks and mortar outlet. I have started to use this phrase omni-channel now for any business that has a digital experience because it's not only about transaction in terms of you know the sale of a good or a service it's about engagement so omni-channel engagement through all of the different channels that might be out there think about even a b2b company like Aquia as an example uh, we have our website we also have a developer portal that helps people use our products we have got our support um, service um, so you can log into our support system and get help with our products. We've then got our social media channels. So we're present on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'll reserve any judgment about Twitter for today. Uh, and also LinkedIn being our primary channel. And then there's multiple ways to engage with our content in all of those different outlets. And we've actually got to produce a consistent content engagement through these digital outputs for all of our buyers um, and bear in mind that for our products, we, you know, we engage with lots of different types of buyer across a business. 
So that's the B2B problem. If you're in a B2C space, that problem's probably magnified by by 10 because you've probably got more channels and you've probably got more buying personas that buy your products. So coming back to the question, you've got a squeezing budget. You've got a content conveyor belt that you can't keep up with. You've got more channels to serve mm. than, than ever before. It's going to have a massive impact on how you go to market and how you structure your marketing team. So there was loads of different impacts you you touched on there, mostly focused on obviously the 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 digital marketing teams and the digital experience teams um, within companies. What about from the perspective of consumers? Um, you know, this idea of being in an economic downturn um, happening in, as I said earlier, various different ways in different markets. People are feeling it in different um, in different elements of life. I wonder if you could touch a little bit on in this context, what behaviors and characteristics we're seeing emerge, uh, particularly within consumers, you know, and, and are they expecting different things from digital experiences specifically because perhaps they're using them in different ways, maybe to save money or to save a trip, uh, you know, in, in real life, maybe it's cheaper online as an example. Yeah. Great, great question. So uh, according to McKinsey, 41% of UK shoppers have tried another brand in the past 12 months. So just that as a kind of level set for everybody that's out there, nearly half of your customer base has considered buying from your capacitor. Um, and so when you think about everything uh, through that lens, through the consumer's lens, it really starts to shape how you should be thinking about your digital experience and the role and the interaction between the customer. So let's examine that customer's perspective. Their expectation of your digital experience is that before they do anything with you, before they give you their email address, before they tell you your name, sometimes before they even click the I accept the cookie, you know, uh, that I'm going to put in your browser, which we get on every website annoyingly these days, they want to see value from you as a brand. They want to engage in a value exchange. They want something back before they engage with you. Um, and that can come in lots and lots of different shapes and sizes, but it's a common theme. So you think about any transaction that you're thinking about making, be that going to the grocery store, be that uh, you know in your workplace logging into a portal to you know administer something in a system. You as a person are looking to get some value from that. Let's take that really mundane example of logging into I don't know your HR system at work. The only reason that you're going to log into your HR system at work is because you want to book a day off, because you need to submit a timesheet, because you want to understand, you know, what's on your uh, your payslip at the end of the month. But at the end of the day, you're getting something out of that. So somebody's only going to come to your website if they think they're going to get something back from it. A great way to provide value for somebody is actually through a logged in experience. And we're seeing more and more brands look to create some kind of or some element of their digital experience, which is logged in. There's some driving factors for that, which we can uh, explore in more detail. But one of these is a shift of first party data, which is predominantly being caused by the death of the third party cookie. Uh, I won't I won't unleash that can of worms just yet. But um, what this means is that Brands need to collect more first-party information, so your name, your email address, and so on, to properly be able to personalize their experience to you. To do that, of course, you need this value exchange to happen. You want to get something from it. Now, that value exchange could be something as simple as, if you're in a B2C space, 
uh, put your email address here and we'll give you 10% off your next order. Well, that value exchange then allows the customer to open up to you. They feel better connected to you. They feel engaged with you. They'll share more information with you. And that uh, is the beginning, I think, of, of a new customer journey. I think that's the trend that customers really, um, really value today. And it's a better way to keep your customers sticky going forward. I just want to build a little bit more on, um, on on what you mentioned there. I mean, a perfect example around a discount, for instance. Um, I guess in exchange for for um, an email address. I mean, when we're talking about economic downturn, um, you know, on one hand, you could say, okay, how do you make a digital experience more um, cognizant? of the position that customer is in. So, you know, you said about 50% of um, your customers are thinking of shopping elsewhere. Well, you could, I imagine you give that to a creative team and they can think of really interesting content off the back of that, something cheeky or fun or whatever. And you can play with the, I guess, the narrative and the idea of an economic downturn in order to make these experiences interesting. On the other hand, you could, I don't want to say simply because it's not simple, reduce prices or make things cheaper or easier um, from a sort of more logistical operational perspective, um, which still speaks to the idea of the economic downturn for the customer and they still feel it, it, it arguably more understood. Um, how how does that kind of thinking about those two, shall we say, strategies, and I know brands will be thinking about both, um, when you're thinking about it through the lens of digital experience, utilizing di- digital experience teams around choosing strategies and, and making decisions around strategies that make sense for business, what role does digital experience come in there? I mean, is it too flippant to say, just change your content so that it's relevant, you know, versus the reality of logistics, reality of price, reality of usage for the customer? Yeah, great question. So there's a lot of research that suggests that changing your price during an economic downturn can be a slippery slope. Um, it's really difficult to recover price uh, if you temporarily discount. So you should only ever be prepared to give away margin on a product that you're willing to sustain over a longer period of time, particularly with inflation coming along. So as a marketer, I would always go towards the content side of things and, and looking at how you can better create content that serves the purpose of of your customer. I'll give you a great example of a brand that um, happens to be an Acquia customer that's been working really, really hard at this. And that's Wix, uh, the hardware store here in the UK for anybody that's um, listening from outside of the country. So they've actually used uh, our customer data platform um, to understand buyer behavior better. Their primary goal was to look at people who shopped online versus um, people who bought in store, as well as to differentiate between somebody who's buying for trade and somebody who's buying for a DIY project because they have very different buying patterns. Um, and they've been able to identify these kind of core streams of, um, you know, of projects as they call them. Um, and they've started to create content for those projects. They just released their first app for DIYers. Um, and that app is a logged in experience that helps somebody curate a project. So think of a project as, hey, I'm going to decorate my living room. Um, and you'll start to look at paint colors and you might look at light fittings and you might need, you know, some electrical hardware to change the, the lighting. And you might need some, uh, I don't know, you might need a new skirting board because you're, and so on and so forth. So you start to bring together all of those products into one thing. And they create within their app, firstly, the ability to to pull together all of these things into a project, 
But then secondarily, they've started to invest in content that shows you tips and tricks for, you know, for painting and decorating for so on and so forth to help DIYers in particular coach themselves through that project. Um, they have not, uh, more than they've ever done before, discounted their products to incentivize people to, to do, you know, a DIY project. They've started to use the data that they have through a first party experience to drive customers to buy more than one product and to also buy across multiple channels. So their total lifetime value of that customer is now going up. Um, and I, I can't share numbers because it's confidential, but the first campaign that they ran generated multi-million dollars in incremental revenue from a campaign. So that was additional spend just by tailoring the message to the customer, creating better content and driving multi-channel engagement through their customers. So I, I think that's the way to go. I think they are a shining star. They actually just won a Marketing Week award um, for this project as well. So you can, if you're listening, you can go and look at that. Um, it's called their B2B MME system that they built. Um, so, so I'm a massive advocate for people creating content to help customers get value, to help them spend more with you. Let's dive into the the data point then, because um, you mentioned it earlier, particularly with respect to the the, the change with cookies recently, um, or the death of cookies, uh, as, as, as you put it, but also around this idea of personalization for value, for business value. So, you know, it, I guess it seems obvious to say that, you know, organizations that really know their customers have a better chance of, you know, spending their limited budgets on experiences are going to resonate and ultimately uh, drive growth and profit. But we are talking about this tension around marketing teams and digital experience teams not having as many resources, um, but having to meet this demand. And then, you know, listening into this podcast and being like, oh, damn, I better be thinking about data. We're not even really doing that. So where should marketers be focusing attention when it comes to data to ensure that they a do understand the customer base, but B, can operate within this um dynamic of trying to manage resources and sort of not just keep existing but be able to grow and be able to to keep um building experiences and, and ultimately building profit in the current environment yeah um a, a really great question and one that i know marketing teams everywhere are going to be struggling with right now so uh i once used to report to a, a cmo who was very philosophical and sometimes um, he said stuff which I kind of ignored because I thought it was stupid. But every now and then he said sort of absolute nuggets. And uh, this is one of his. Sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. And so what does that mean? The biggest thing that any team should invest in, I would say if you can afford to do this between now and the end of the year, is take two days, stop what you're doing, and bring your marketing leaders together to talk about how do we how do we prioritize. And if you're trying to prioritize, particularly around your digital experience, these are the, this is the way that I would start to think about it. So, firstly, think about where your big bets lie. Um, what are the things that are going to move the needle from a marketing perspective for your business? Once you understand what those big bets are, you can start to build a path to get there. Now, let's take this case of you know data as an example. If you haven't started with data today, but you're looking at, okay, where do I start to unpick that? Um, I would first start with um, what data are you collecting already? 
right? Um, and where does that data go? If you don't have an easy way to look at all of that data holistically without having to spend two weeks analyzing something to come up with an outcome, then in the first instance, you could be wasting a lot of time to not make a lot of progress. My personal recommendation would be to look at um, something like a customer data platform as a piece of technology that could help you uh, as a very simple use case, come up with a true 360 degree profile of your buyer. And by that, again, I'll take Acquia as the example. We've got, you know, our developer portal, we've got a website, we've got our support system. We've then got our CRM. There are data about our customers in all of those places. We use our CDP to bring those together and create a single profile of our buyer. That is very, very simple in, in how it's said. It's quite a complicated thing from a technology perspective to do that in real time. So using a system to help you um, makes a massive difference. If you've then got that, you can use machine learning in a CDP very quickly to give you two or three very basic um, you know, uh, use cases for that data. Um, they can be really, really simple, and that could be, does this person engage with us on more than one channel, yes or no? And then mapping that just like Wix did to expenditure. So does this customer shop with us in all these places? I think if you can carve out a data use case for um, for one or two really simple use cases like that, and then prioritize the rest of your marketing on supporting those with a fully curated, holistic content experience, you'll find ways to generate incremental revenue for your business, very straightforward. So those are the three steps that I would recommend somebody trying to deal with data today. Stop what you're doing, look at how you're gonna create data uh, into a single profile with actionable insights, and then design your content experience in the channels that it's delivered on those uh, those findings. Amazing. That's uh, it's really nice to have these kind of clear nuggets because I think you know a lot of people do listen to the show with looking for advice. We you touched on CDPs um, in your answer there, but let's just talk a little bit more deeply about the implication um, on on technology that your you, that your advice has. What what sort of considerations do um, do people need to take, both from the perspective of just even working out which technology they need, um, but also considering again budgets? Is <laughs> this whole thing of upfront cost versus what you're going to get later on down the line? Yeah, honestly, now is a great time to do a technology audit. So if you've not um, done this recently, you know, if you're in a marketing leadership team, you've you've got technology that you're using. Every single marketing team does these days. It's not something that's just served to you by the IT organization. Um, so I meet with um, a group of uh, CMOs, mostly from the technology industry, but this is something that we've been talking about a lot. Um, the marketing technology landscape, uh, and I feel like I can say this working for a MarTech vendor, has become very, very crowded. Um, and there's sometimes a lot of overlap between tools. Now, one of Acquia's philosophy, we we talk about Acquia being the open digital experience platform, but what that really means is we actually don't sell, I mean, you can buy our products like this if you want to, but we don't force our customers to buy in bundles. You can buy the specific tool for the specific task that you're trying to work on. And then because our tools are so open, you can integrate them. Um, there is sometimes because of merger and acquisition, sometimes because people have been on a spending spree. It could be any of these reasons. 
people end up with a martech stack that can be really bloated have a lot of well that tool does this and this tool kind of does that but we don't use it for that we use it for this other thing um so do a technology audit look at when your contract dates are look at your cost and then look at the roi that you get from that tool and i would start to actually strip back and keep it as simple as possible look for consolidation opportunities if you've acquired companies or other brands do you all use the same system um, and spending some time now to kind of harmonize systems and make sure you've got the right technology mix can set you up for success. And it also, by the way, might carve out budget for you to buy something like a CDP or a new digital experience platform or, you know, build a new website or an application if you're looking to, you know, collect that first party data in the first place that we've just been talking about. So we've talked about technology, but as we all know, when it comes to digital transformation of any kind, it's not always about technology. Businesses have to make technology work for them by, of course, being more efficient through the use of it, but also about taking a holistic approach to change um, and bringing employees and users um, along with them. So I wonder if you could just talk briefly about that, the kind of beyond the tech point when it comes to managing these tensions. Yeah, definitely. I think a, you know, a collaborative team uh, is really the secret sauce. You can have the best technology in the world, you can have the best content in the world, you can have the best brand in the world, but um, you won't be able to reach the true capability of your potential um, or exercise that potential unless you have a team behind it. Uh, Gartner has this concept of a fusion team when it comes to getting the most out of your technology. Um, and taking you know a website as a, a very basic example of that. Some people's websites are built in a really um, you know code heavy way and require a lot of development resource to do it. And some people's websites are really SaaS based and lightweight. Um, and there are benefits to both of these solutions. So the kind of really custom code level website would allow you to build, you know, really cool custom applications on top of your website and have a really, you know, creative digital experience. But then to change quickly, um, and that could be the content or the application or the design and the look and feel, then requires a lot of development work to do that. So it can be less agile. A really low-code website builder means you can update the content really quickly and you can be really agile, but it might not be as interactive an experience as you like, or you might only be able to publish content to one website directly you you know we talked about that omni-channel uh kind of approach to to building a digital experience and so gartner's fusion team which i'm a really big fan of is about having a hybrid technology stack that actually allows the users of a low-code experience right like a marketer or a product marketer or a product owner or a digital marketer and the development team on the other end of the scale to both operate in the same system with the same governance model, with the same design system. And that, I think, is really a key to success. Imagine if you could have a website that was as customizable as you want it to be, that could be as interactive as you want it to be. But if you launch a new product tomorrow, you could have a product team log in, uh, build a, a new product page for it, push that to your e-commerce system and, and you know launch a product within minutes rather than you know submitting a ticket to a development team to build that experience and update your, your e-commerce. So I think a fusion team is a key to unlocking both a fantastic user experience with your digital 
products and your digital experience as well as time to market and content creation when we've got budgets and people squeezes let's um let's end on a piece of another piece of advice because you've already given us so much tom but i'm gonna i'm gonna pick your brain for for one final one we've covered content we've considered data we've talked about cdps and technology approaches and of course we've also then touched on everything beyond the technology in terms of how you actually get teams to to work together but i wonder if we could maybe take a little a step back what kind of practical advice can you share with the listeners when it comes to just simply thinking about the future and what they need to do now in order to pave the way for that future for their businesses to ensure that they are resilient, regardless of what kind of economic situation we're living through. Yeah. And so you don't have to just take my word for this. Um, There was a McKinsey study that was done during the last big economic downturn, the 08-09 kind of time period. And they looked specifically at brands that invested in their digital experience as a whole um, versus those that didn't. Um, and the brands that did not only fared 10% better in terms of market capitalization during the downturn, but three years after the downturn, they were on average 32% ahead of those that didn't. So just to unpack that a little bit, as painful as it might seem when you've got budget cuts and people reductions going on, if you can make your digital experience the best out there compared to your competition right now, three years from now, you're going to be the market leader. And there's historic data to show that. So if I were to leave you know, the listeners with just one tip, it would be really, really focus on your digital experience right now as best you can, even if that means deprioritizing some of the old faithful, more traditional marketing mediums that you've engaged with. Um, and finally, you don't have to do that by yourselves. There's lots of great uh, digital agencies out there that can help, software companies like Acquia that are willing to help. Um, and most of the time, those people have got the experience that you're looking for. So I would say focus on your digital experience. It's the key to success through a downturn. Amazing, Tom. Thank you so much for that. A final little nugget for our, well, quite a large nugget, I guess, for our for our listeners. But thank you so much for coming in and joining us and sharing your expertise, your, your candid opinions, and um, lots of great insight when it comes to thinking about how we manage this, um, this current sort of tension. I suppose we always have this tension in marketing teams, regardless of the, the economic situation, but the tension that we have when it comes to wanting to do, do the best by the customer, um, but at the same time, do that with the resources that we have. So Tom, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your insights with us. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great to be here. And yeah, I looked every minute. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Wonderman Thompson technology podcast. You can follow us at One Thompson Tech on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit us at wondermanthompson.com. Make sure you tune into next month's episode of The Experience Makers, where we'll continue the experience conversation, helping businesses thrive in today's experience economy. 